Welcome, everybody. This is a follow-up of sorts to our Meet the Team podcast with Sam, who has graciously once again given us a bit of his time to discuss all things lore as related to Ember Sword. Uh, this episode is going to be a foundation of the lore, as it were. We're going to go through it in broad strokes uh, at Sam's discretion, and we're going to glean something excellent. Uh, that much I'm certain of. So, Sam, thanks for uh, taking the time to do this. Hey, my pleasure. Sweet. Okay, so I have your uh, list of questions pulled up, and let us begin. Um, First off, uh, what are your personal influences when it comes to Ember Sword? Well, uh, the thing to know about Ember Swords is that though it looks like a very fantastical game, it is actually in... A sci-fi setting, as in a setting that runs parallel to our own world, our own universe, where things kind of deviated a long time ago, uh, um, 1980s. And uh, yeah, uh, so things, uh, you know, come from a sci-fi perspective. And for that, I uh, looked at uh, at different uh, properties that, uh, you know, are more sci-fi oriented that uh, that you know can be uh, you know emulated or at least uh, admired and you know to appear fantastical and uh, with that you know I uh, you know felt a strong inspiration from sources such as Independence Day where you know humanity is up against yeah <laughs> aliens that are uh, that. Uh, wield uh, such technology that they almost seem godlike, you know, like they're wielding magic in a way, like, or a Titan AE, or even Destiny, when it comes to video games. And, uh, you know, uh, that that's where I found uh, my greatest inspirations for lore, because when you play the game, you're going to be feeling like you're playing a fantasy game, you know, and, uh, the, the great thing about sci-fi is that uh, it allows you to give a real-world explanation without uh, being asked to actually build everything yourself and, you know, make sure that the invention is up to stuff. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I don't have to build a flying car to prove that Ember Sword exists. <laughs> and as a disclaimer, there are no flying cars in Ember Sword, so don't you ask <laughs> people. Yet! There are no flying cars yet! yet <laughs> it's a live game we, world's your oyster <laughs> yeah and uh yeah you know <laughs> with that in mind uh you know the the, the great thing is that uh, with ember sword uh, you know uh, people like they're going to have that experience where you know they they can still do still do things like uh, you know heal they can still uh, like move around in a great quest and not have a horse or something to help them <laughs> along the way and you know or or a flying car and uh, <laughs> and that's kind of because uh, it, it's been established that this is a dystopian world it looks pretty and everything but you know it's had a hard go at things so you know it, it allows uh, me to really just get in there and uh, not call it a fantasy game while also you know <laughs> while also uh, uh, it being very flashy and colorful and something that you know you could almost uh, perceive as being fantasy so 
definitely the big ones uh, are like Titan AE and Dependent State and other things that were have actually been critically panned for their <laughs> narrative uh, values, but at the same time appreciated and have come to, you know, garner a cult following. So, like uh, what? Uh, let's not. Uh, uh, oh, like uh, like uh, Titan AE, for example, and uh, and you know. Independence Day, even though it was financially successful, <laughs> you know, people have issues with the whole uh, computer virus aspect. And <laughs> so far as I know, there isn't a computer virus aspect of this, but, you know, <laughs> Again, maybe yes. there will be. <laughs> come on, man. Who would hate Welcome to Earth punch? Like, come on. It's <laughs> a fantastic piece of media. Oh, the sequel I'll the have... sequel was fantastic dumb fun as well. Yeah, yeah. And... I'll have, you know, people, you know, welcoming you to Thanabus and Punch. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, there you go, guys. <laughs> yeah, everybody on Discord, add the designer so they know that the tutorial needs to be you getting punched in the face by Will Smith. <laughs> uh, I'm curious, have you um, played Horizon Zero Dawn? I haven't, uh, actually. I There was a... A period of time where I kind of stepped away from gaming mm -hmm, to focus on yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I missed a lot of great classics for a few mm -hmm. years. Because Horizon is um, almost exactly what you describe a game that's uh, very tech heavy, but it's got a tribal motif owing to the society, to like the societies in the game being very tribal inspired, and it's a fantastic blend of of the mystical and the technological. So it was just yeah. And it's also one of my favorite and, games. That's what I was asking, really. Yeah, the like uh, there are like this this universe runs parallel to ours, so there are going to be a lot like it, it still follows a lot of the same rules, but you know, just little you know, like divots that w are not there in ours, and you know, as you know, it just a little crack in the windshield can you know eventually cause it to shatter. You know, yeah, <laughs> and, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so that that's kind of. Uh, where you know we are with this i mean people are probably like hey i've been looking on wikipedia and where is thanabus and uh, <laughs> it's like oh just pull out your telescope and look at jupiter nah, there, there's a reason there that's there <laughs> sweet well speaking of the universe uh what is your precise process for developing this story in this universe well uh actually um i don't uh, no i'm just kidding uh <laughs> <Mike's late. laughs> <laughs> Surprise, we're making Minecraft. <laughs> um, my process is actually I start with characters. Mm -hmm. The characters are the bedrock. It's the, the bedrock is not the bedrock, but the characters are. Uh, because, you know, you come up with someone who has a function in the world. Like for, you know, someone who will fix your armor, for instance. Or maybe a President Arch Claudius, you know, all the way over in Edisso. That, like, these people... You know they they're there and uh, they actually are my greatest tools for telling a story because I can just lay down a few seeds here and there and then I'll develop a, like hundreds of words for each single character for a full backstory because I mean the way I see it uh, you can go anywhere and you can uh, find out the backstory of uh, everyone in uh, you know in an innocuous small town in the country. And if you learned everyone's backstory, you'd find that there is like there are a million things going on in this part of the world where it appears dead. And with that, I was able to form <clears throat> the 
story for Ember Sword. Very, or uh, excuse me, my cat is biting my microphone. <laughs> uh, 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 I was able to form the story for Ember Sword very organically. You know, it's it's based on you know how someone with backstory you know would react in these situations. Like, and uh, you know, yes, I started with. Uh, a broad overview it was about three pages long you know ooh. <laughs> but uh, from there you know i was able to consider everyone who inhabits that world and i mean everyone and just the things that you know you need in a standard mmo and the things that you know just branch off from the base story and then now i have like hundreds of pages on characters uh, and uh, you know th that's been the way i've been telling the story is through the characters they like you then could build a world around them and fill it in right that's that's really that's really cool actually i i've never i've never thought of that approach as, as something that was really possible because every time i've tried to build a world i've gone with um story first when when i dungeon master something for example so it's yeah. it's interesting to know that yeah that this is a fantastic approach. Well, I guess speaking of the characters, where do you find inspiration? Where what do you draw inspiration from to create those characters and in turn the story? Uh, <clears throat> there's a bit of a, a variety. Uh, I'll I'll I'd like to tell you a little bit of a story. Uh, Shoot, there, yeah. The there's a character, um, the leader of uh, Severand. Uh, her name is not disclosed at this moment you know there's gonna be a lot of uh, build up to that actually you know she's gonna be a focal point of the story and i actually came up with well actually i it's kind of i'm not sure if i did come up with her because she was in my subconscious i on a football trip in the, my eighth grade year uh, uh i uh, had this uh, dream and it was it was based in warcraft 3 like i saw it as in the setting of the world editor, you know, something that I'd create. And uh, in it, there's this just beautiful scene that where <clears throat> there's this confrontation between, like, not really, like the opposite of Starcrossed, you know, uh, like, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, <clears throat> waylaid lovers. And, uh, you know, they realize that they have different perspectives on life. At, and, uh, you know, that experiences have drawn them in totally opposite directions that they're technically enemies now and it was such a powerful dream <clears throat> but i could i could not create recreate it at all in in warcraft 3 or anything after that it's like ah oh, this is such a good story that the my uh, 13 year old self came up with and uh, that was actually like as with ember sword i've actually had the opportunity to bring this scene to life and that was where the basis for that character came from and i feel so happy about that and you know i when i was first conceptualizing and like the story for ember sword i uh, told sage you know about this story idea and he actually he, he loved it he said it was powerful and you know i i kind of uh, that was uh, <clears throat> where one big story element came from and with a lot of the other characters uh it's kind of, uh, I, I kind of uh, look at it as, you know, I've already, you know, established, I, I already have what I need for the very basic overview of a story. You know, like, uh, uh, Solarwood is, uh, it, it's uh, all about academics and, uh, you know, 
that it, it's a little bit of a liberal society. And, uh, you know, I conceptualized, you know, who the head of that would be. And it, it turned out to be a, a middle-aged uh, fellow, you know, who's uh, kind of rotund and, uh, you know, soft-spoken so he can, you know, talk to, you know, the people from the Republic who are uh, admonishing Solarwood for uh, uh, kind of... Uh, uh, challenging the edicts of not pursuing higher education, and with that, you know, I may I was able to build a character out of that, and it's just like from there, it's a ripple effect, and you know, you have the the middleman right there, the guy who can talk to everyone, who would be a perfect leader, and then you know, you'll have the more extreme people on the other side. So it's kind of been a ripple effect of you know what big people need, and from there, it, it's kind of like the ripples have spread across the pond and now Thanabus is filled with hundreds of people who have, you know, feel like it's almost like a symbiotic thing where as the planet builds the people, the people build the planet. So in, in a sense, uh, you come up with a couple of characters that have, are drawn from wherever and that essentially sends a shockwave through your imagination and you create this whole universe. In, in a sense, yeah. the inspiration for the characters, the characters themselves... Yeah. And oh, that's so little, awesome. Every little person that you come across in Ember Sword, I've spent the two years, last two years coming up with their full backstory, like what kind of upbringing they had and if they like faced a depression, if if they liked playing in Crash or if they were a little psychopath growing up and, you know, everyone has a story that and they will always be they will always be uh, referenced throughout it. Every, like that's the perfect thing is that everyone is connected in some way. You know, we can do the, like, uh, the, was it uh, seven, uh, what, the seven steps of Kevin Bacon, was it? <laughs> it's kind of like that. Uh, everyone, like, three, uh, seven degrees of uh, Kevin Bacon, I believe. Yeah, um, that that's kind of what we have going on in Ember Sword, where people know each other, and uh, their past plays into their decisions, and that's shaped the world around them sweet um flipping the script a bit we, we talked broad strokes about uh the characters in the story what about the antagonists uh specifically i guess the bestiary how do you approach narrative wise designing creatures for that bestiary i uh i'll get back to the term antagonist because i have a <laughs> few thoughts of that but uh, <laughs> yeah Hell when yeah. we come up with the beasts uh it's actually about um what you know what the world needs like because uh yes the the first thing the first kind of beast that we delved into was the gruff you know a boar man you know a, a, a big thing bigger than the man who you know is pig-like and will uh, attack you and but it's like you can't have a boar man in every little crevice of thanabus things would get boring very fast so, you know, it's kind of like, what do things need? Uh, and a lot of things, actually, they come from, uh, like, you know, not only just from a technical standpoint, but also inspiration, like the Urkador, the you know, those are basically the ghouls of Ember Sword. And you'll find them in, uh, like, the dark recesses of the Earth, you know, in dark locations where uh, you already are chilled out like by walking into a location, hopefully, and uh, and uh, then you come across them, and these ghouls come about, and 
where that came from was I just I just thought of uh, you know something that it has all the wrong attributes like it, it no no eyes in its sockets uh, no uh, um, lips no teeth and uh, no genitalia uh, and uh, just and claws on its hand and it, it was a, a disturbing concept and you know it irked me and uh, <laughs> there came the Urkador <laughs> and uh, that's how things play out you know what the necessity is like what we're missing from the game and also you know uh, we we uh, like visually we follow the rules of the plant of the like moon i guess uh, that's what thanabus is we follow them the, the world we follow the rules of the world which establish that the bestiary it's 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 composed of uh very similar like you know the same uh, kingdom animal kingdom that we have but uh thanabus also has uh, a quality of uh mutation where things uh, are constantly swirling in this primordial soup and things change very quickly and so everything that is earth-like on Thanabus everything will have a twist like a bunny will have too big of ears for example and uh, uh, that's that's where we come from when we design creatures you know like uh, that things have kind of gone askew in every way but they don't all have to be scary and the yeah and uh, if i may about the term antagonist please uh, yeah i'm really curious yeah. actually <laughs> i yes there are things that are going to attack you there are people like creatures as well that you will need to put down to have their misery but uh, what's wonderful is that uh, we internally don't really see it as uh there being a necessary necessarily a bad guy like I, I i know who is the bad guy from my perspective but you know <laughs> the like the others you know they'll say hey i'm kind of rooting for him he's interesting <laughs> <laughs> and you know that's that's just a you know a, a little bit of a digression you know i, I you know i'll get back on course <laughs> but uh yeah no, so I, I i'm really interested in this notion since um a, a lot of rpgs i've been playing as of late especially wasteland 3 uh play with this notion that everybody's the hero of their own story right and that creates such interesting dynamics where there pretty much isn't a right answer ever in what you have to do and it, it's through this this ambiguity it's it, the story grips you further because it just feels like real people doing yeah. things that they consider right yeah, and like you like, uh, if for instance, uh, let's look at the lore of Ember Sword. Everything is based around uh, this well, huge actually, not little, huge interaction with Starjin, this godlike entity that uh, uh, arrived at our solar system, and uh, it said uh, he said that he was coming to answer a threat, you know, by you know wayward uh, transmissions and uh, you know we had been so wayward with our transmissions you know it's like ah oh, damn this guy's here to bust our balls and you know look and uh, you know his arrival and uh, his demise uh, his attack on jupiter it just absolutely you know shattered the way of life and uh, you know but to him he was he probably saw he, that he was uh, his own protagonist 
you know, and uh, I, I like to look at it that way that there's no one who who goes into things uh, going. Mwah. Yeah, there's no <laughs> mustachioed <laughs> monster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no dick dastardly in this, so... <laughs> oh darn it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on which dick dastardly we're talking about, actually. Because uh, DC bought Hanna-Barbera, or at least the rights to, to some of their characters. And they made a Wacky Racers comic book, which is insane. It's Mad Max, <laughs> essentially. Highly recommend to read. Um, I digress. Anyway, yep. um, j- just to round this out... Um, we we mentioned a, a decent bit of inspirations. What which movies you got it from? Um, some of the ideas for the game from. Uh, I wanted to touch upon sort of the the gaming industry. After all, we're making a video game. Uh, what games and studios do you look to to draw inspiration from Ember Sword? What games and studios do you believe in, really? Well, uh, even though I you know <laughs> the last podcast I kind of lambasted uh, uh, Bungie with. Uh... <laughs> destiny uh, uh you know there's a lot of positivity going for that game there's a lot of there's a lot to you know to admire about that game you know i have some fond memories of playing it uh, so you know on you know the commercial like the big commercial side of things i think uh you look to you look to things that really just move you even if it's not all the way you know even if just a portion of it uh, i i look to you know things like that but what I, I will say about the industry is that things have uh, very much shifted throughout uh, my nearly 30 years on this planet. Uh, I say that like I'm from Mars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know what, when I was younger, like, when I was in the 90s, it seemed like uh, there were not really big corporations running games. Games were built by medium-sized companies there's only in the 2000s it felt like that you know we started developing the activision problem which has now become the activision blizzard problem very unfortunately and you know that kind of inspired an exodus uh, of those employees to form dreamhaven and and that's actually where i see the future of the industry things like dreamhaven the it you know, there will be companies that will never be as successful as the big dogs, like commercially, like they, they will not be as successful financially. Uh, <clears throat> but the important thing is it's independent and that's the heart of it. You know, I see the future of the industry like where I look to inspiration, where I feel like, hey, I can do this too. I see it from uh, like a uh, people like Edmund McMillan with the with the Super Meat Boy and the Binding of Isaac. I I see it from uh, like studios uh, like Crafting Legends uh, with the Death Trash, which is a game that's been in development for the last five years that just, you know, it, that one has, you know, ensnared my mind. I couldn't stop thinking about it when I came across it briefly that I almost went mad trying to find <laughs> the, the, where it was again until I came across it. And uh, then, you know, developers like uh, uh, Pelican 13 with, uh, uh, it, he, he was working with Nicholas, uh, the company Nicholas on the uh, 90s Super GP. And now he, like, he recently released the takeover. And that's, that's just really where I feel like people need to 
look for inspiration, where I look for inspiration, that's that's really where uh, I I feel like uh, the team as a whole they they look we all look for inspiration mm-hmm. on the small side of things. We're not going to ever sell out, you know that like we've talked about like that we're not going to be you know just a branch of some big corporation. It's it's going to be independent from start and hopefully never finish. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, like yeah like the one uh, uh, big company that I kind of I can pardon you know because I still see that indie spirit captured is valve you know because yeah. uh, they bring they bring in the modders like uh ice frog you know to to uh make uh games with the indie heart but the triple a polish and uh you know but overall i feel like uh the future you know what where uh we all need to look is to the indie side of things and uh yeah that but that there will always be the big corporations because there are plenty of people who will always want the next Call of Duty and yeah. whatnot. But uh, you know, for I think that if people want to feel the love that they had for gaming in the '90s, that is hard to stare like it's there again because everything becomes just a strange, yeah, like a, an addiction that you know, or a drug. Like that's what it seems like a commercial game is. Like if you want to find that love again. Go for those indie games, you know, look at what is hot and maybe look at what's not hot. Look at what's kind of just flying under the radar, but it has captured your imagination. You know, that's where I see the industry. You know, that's the beating heart of it now. That is a very hopeful way of looking at it. I, uh, I, I've definitely been guilty over the past couple of months, especially um, at being incredibly disheartened at the condition of the industry. What with... Um, all of the the awful things Take Two are doing, all of the garbage Activision Blizzard is trying to push through. It, it's nice to know that the other perspective exists. That hopefully we're headed towards a future where gaming becomes a bit smaller again and creativity shines instead of the pursuit of profit. Yeah, it like uh, we don't like individually. We don't need a huge amount of money. We don't need more money and like everything with the big side of the industry is more money and i you know i am fine with a highly saturated market you know because that means that people are trying hard and it like if we want more money we're gonna try harder you know if we want (laughs) that continued business so that's where my head is Well, um, with that uh, wistful note and anecdote, I guess, uh, this is the end of this uh, Lorecast, the the first Lorecast, hopefully. Um, Thank you, Sam, for taking the time to to do this again. Uh, I would love to delve deeper into every aspect we discussed today, whether it be characters, the story overall, the bestiary. Any one of these can be a fantastic podcast in its own right, so hopefully that uh, we can do this again in the future. Absolutely. Uh, Thanks for having me, Svetland. Hell yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, see you guys next time, and thank you for listening. Hey, you. You made it to the end. Congratulations. That must mean you like us enough to want more, right? Well, good news. We're all over the internet. Go to embersword.com and subscribe to our newsletter for a chance to play the game early, as well as the latest interesting tidbits on the game and the team. Join our lovely Discord community over at discord.gg slash embersword. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at PlayEmberSword for regular updates on what we're up to. And remember the basics. 
drink water, be kind to each other, and spread the word about Ember Sword.